Hello, welcome to Between Two Worlds Podcast. My name is Luke, and I am the host for today. Here we have the usuals of Dan and Ron. Hello, hello, this is Dan. And this is Ron coming from the far corner of the podcast table. There's far. only... There's four quarters. There's four corners. How's it the farthest one? I, I think I am farther away. No, you're not. You're else. right beside Isn't me. Isn't the table like four feet long? And it's rectangle. By, by like two feet or whatever. So, yeah. But I am in my own corner. Just so you know. We are all in our own corners. Yes. Thank you, Ron. We had... We're going to just give you a quick recap. Yeah, let's do it. Me and Ron. Yes. Annalie. Danae. Ron's son, Cody. Yes. My brother. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Yes. And Andrew Golovich, also known as Gitch. Yes. The return of Gitch. We went to St. Louis. Oh, boy. Yes, it was. Uh, this is the second time I've been to St. Louis. Danny, have you been to St. Louis? I went with you before. I know. Years ago. Well, it was like this a dozen, is when you did your homework. Years ago. That's right. Yeah, you did yeah. your homework in the room right across. Yes, and you you, did. Just, you, you snored yeah. <laughs> like, like really loudly. Yeah, I guess that was uh, 10 years ago we were there. That was 10? I think, yeah, it was about 10 years ago wow. when I was at CBC. So, wow. Yes, because yeah. I remember. I, 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 this is where Danny did homework. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. He went to sleep and I did homework all night. Yeah. Wow. So That's a great story. Uh, that St. Louis was, we did a youth specialties conference. Yes. Uh, yep. Dan was not there and yep. you'll hear why in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was good. Yeah. It was very much a revival. I would say for youth specialties, we had kind of gone, we'd gone three years ago and it was not good and it was not good. We said, that'll be the last time we'll ever go, but just because of how it was run and just, you know, just, it just wasn't right fit for us anymore. And, and, uh, you, you, gotta, you have to explain what youth specialties is. Though. Youth yep. specialties is... A conference for youth pastors, youth workers that's held in the states. It's this huge thing, and there was five thousand people there. Tons of breakout sessions, tons mm-hmm. of free T-shirts. T-shirts. Uh, yeah, Annalie won the contest. She had five free T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, I only got uh, three, I think, and a hat. I had seventeen one year. Seventeen. Seventeen was my record. Wow. We had a competition between. Yeah, us. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Like Wayne Dreger was yeah. youth pastor at uh, Central Heights. And uh, then there was a few other guys that uh, would would go and, and yeah. have a competition. Who could get the most seventeen? T-shirts? That's incredible. I didn't go to many sessions. <laughs> I just was I was just trying to get as many t-shirts as I possibly can. Just kidding. <laughs> but what ha- what happened though? You specialties. It, it kind of went through some organizational issues and problems, and it changed owners and all those kind of things. So I thought it was going downhill, and then Doug Fields. A uh, long time, probably one of the greatest names in youth ministry, so to speak, in North America. Originally from Saddleback. Originally Saddleback, youth yep. pastor, yep. And uh, doing youth ministry, all those kind of things, written multiple, multiple books. Took over the organization along with Reggie Joyner from Orange, and uh, they just dialed it up. They yep. really did. You could tell that by the quality of, of workshops that they had, uh, you know, and the speakers that they had lined up. Uh, yeah. I was really it was impressed. Really good. Yeah, really good. I would say the big room stuff was was lacking. It wasn't. The it would have been nice to have in the big room like lead pastors. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's it, still good. It was still okay, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I missed that part. That that youth specialties used to be known as the big room would be uh, filled with uh, senior pastors from the local area that could speak about the church and mm-hmm. 
your commitment and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was always a good diet, but they've moved away from that. Yeah, I think the last one I went to was about four, four or five years ago down in Dallas. Mm. And yeah, and it was after that one. I was like, mm, yeah, it's changed. I yeah. think I'm kind of done, yeah. done on these things because but, they are, they are, they're, they're awesome. I mean, Luke, for you, um, at your age, doing oh. ministry a few years, how, what did you think of it? I, I thought it was great. It was really good to see people who are like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like they did a bunch of stuff. Like, okay, if you ever felt this, put up your hand. And it's like cool looking around and seeing everyone has yeah. doubted their calling and doubted being their ability to do anything. And mm-hmm. yep. it was just really encouraging to hear from some of the senior yeah. uh, youth pastors who've been there, who've been in youth ministry for like thirty, forty years, and just to encourage us. And it was just so good. Hear new ideas, get new ideas. Like it was just, it was just a really good time uh, for our team. Yeah. So that was good. Yep. We're gonna be moving on, and Dan. Yes, sir. Why, Kate? Why did you not come? <laughs> why is this? Is this here's the thing? Uh, not, yet, not, yet. not yet. Not yet. Okay. No. All right. Okay. I was actually in um, the magical land mm. of Disneyland. Mm. Wow. Is is where I was. So, and I did not think I was getting back in time for the conference. So um, this trip was was a surprise trip, really. My daughter had had initiated this and planned this with her son. Well, he's four, so he didn't do a lot I think of planning. He, but he didn't do a lot of planning. He didn't do a lot of planning, but she planned it. And then my wife had, of course, gone in on it, and I hadn't actually realized. So I was supposed to go to St. Louis with you guys. Mm-hmm. I had committed myself to Ron, and then I had to back out. And then it turned out I got back the day before. So conceivably, I could have jumped on the plane and gone with you guys. But. Gitch was able to ride with us because you were not there. Yeah, and it was awesome. And I got to have grab coffee with Gitch, and that guy's just a great, great guy. It was awesome hearing how his ministry is going on Vancouver mm-hmm. Island over there. So that was yeah. really cool. Yeah. So this leads into mm. our here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're on, Danny. All right. Okay. So Disneyland. Um, no, I want to be really sensitive here for all the families out here, out there who have taken um, their or go regularly to Disneyland. Yesterday, I was having a conversation with one of our elders' wives, and they they were heading off to Disneyland for Christmas and stuff like that. So, I'm not saying don't go to Disneyland, but but here's the thing: whenever we do anything in life, as we go through life, we should hold up our life and our experiences to our biblical worldview and to our belief system, and and just examine examine life, right? So. I've never done this before. We're down there. We've got our, our 11-year-old son and our 12, our 20-year-old son with us. We've got our, uh, my wife and my daughter and her 4-year-old son. Um, we get about a couple days in, and my 20-year-old son, um, Jonathan, um, just turns to me. He goes, uh, so, Dad, is uh, is Mickey the Messiah? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, like I texted like a whole bunch of guys at that point because – it was just a really, really bizarre situation. And I want to tell you, the very first night we get there, and I had to run out to get some burgers. Our flight was late. We get in a hotel. We're like three blocks away from Disneyland. And all I see on all the bus stops are all the homeless people sleeping on all the bus stops. Now, I live in downtown Chilliwack. Now, downtown Chilliwack, that is, we have a lot more homeless, actually, than I saw in Anaheim. Um, but it was just, you have all this pristine hotels, convention center, everything's so clean, even in the area. And then we have all these homeless people. And I got back to the hotel and I was talking to my talking to my family, talking to my daughter, and she goes, oh yeah, actually, um, it's arranged in the morning. A bus comes and picks up all the homeless people and takes them um, back to LA for the day. And then, and then they bus back at night and sleep on the benches. And I was like, what? And sure enough, in the morning, my daughter actually saw, because she's up early with her son, she saw the van come and pick up all the homeless people with their belongings and escort them into. But I got to tell you, so so first off, I mean, 
in the morning you see these hordes of people walking to Disneyland, um, passing all these homeless people. And as you go to Disneyland, you spend so much money to go to Disneyland. The first thing you do is when you walk in, you see store after store after store just selling all of this Disney merchandise. I mean, I saw people like covered like $400 worth of Disney swag. And I hear like young adults without any kids, young adults just screaming, I love Disney. I love Mickey Mouse. And I was just, I was struggling with it. Like even in the hotel, even in the hotel where um, amongst all the people you're gathering, we have the free breakfast, there's camaraderie going on. I saw people from Northview and you just, it was so easy to start a conversation. It was just like, hey, what are you guys doing today? You guys doing a California Adventure? You're doing Disney? You're doing Universal? And you just had all these conversations happening. And on one hand, I was going, man, this is awesome. I wish church could be like this. But on the other hand, I was like, but this isn't reality. This isn't real. At church, our body of Christ, when we gather, yes, we are to be joyous, but we also have life that we and we have struggles. And all I could think of was like, we are coming here to Disneyland. We're spending money hmm. um, like a lot of people would not normally spend, right? Depending upon your income, you could save up, save up, save up, and go when you do something like this. And as we went through the week, my boys, and I shared this at Vertical Edge, I shared this at Grade 7 at Youth last night, and I said, our boys came to us at the end and go, but Dad, thank you so much, this is awesome, memories and such like that. And I was just struggling because I go, this is awesome, this is great. But then I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I've never gone with my kids on a mission trip. Hmm. I've never taken my family on a mission trip. And I just, you know, I was just holding those two things. I was juxtaposing those two things, you know, in hmm. my mind, thinking... Disneyland, awesome memories, but but what's actually happening there? Mm. Like like what like what are we what are we doing? Is it just like get away? Now people might think, Dan, you're just way overthinking that, and I'm mm -hmm. sorry. That's actually what I do. So <laughs> yeah, you do. so you know, and I just like you know, and I just like I just I just wrestle with it. But so yeah, incredible experience. Would I go again? You know what? I would probably take my some other grandkids mm -hmm. again. I would go again. But, you know, like I said, whenever we have anything like this, this is a, and this is a great conversation to yeah. have with your youth, mm -hmm. with your kids. Take your family. Mm -hmm. But then these are great conversations. Like, it's going on. Like, what mm -hmm. is happening here? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? Like, look at the look at the larger picture. Yeah. 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 So. Cool. That's my thing. So to answer Jonathan's question, is Mickey the Messiah? Um, I would say from some people's perspective, we got about halfway through the week. Mm -hmm. And my wife, when my wife asked me, Dan, would you like any sort of um, – any sort of uh, t-shirt with a uh, mm -hmm. Disney image on. And I said, I would rather, <laughs> I'd rather carve up my spleen with a mm. spoon that put that craven image upon mm. my body. Mm. Maybe a little extreme example, Ooh. but she just like, yeah, she just, she's used to me. Get so. behind me. <laughs> yeah. <Satan>. yeah. <laughs> uh, great transition uh, into our talk for today. And that is about teenage discipline. Whoa. I don't know how that transitions. You can just say about anything. Oh, that's a great transition into this talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, so we're going to talk about how to discipline or should you discipline your teenager? Wow. Is it is it something? Is that what kind of what kind of tips when kids get in trouble? Do you bring out the paddle, wooden spoon, metal spoon, spatula? Wow. I could go to a few stories on that. But your own personal... Old personal stories. Discipline was always done by spankings. Did you get spankings, Dan? Yeah. Um, wooden spoons. Wooden spoons. I hid the wooden spoon from my yeah. grandma once. Did, you, did it ever break over your butt? 
No. Oh. I had uh, – there's two things that, that put fear of whatever in me is a couple of times my dad would actually say, go get something to give you a spanking. Oh, get the switch. Get the switch. switch. So we had this thing, and it was called – this is the German name. I don't even know if I've ever told oh. you this, Luke. No. It's called the Reimann. And it was Reimann, and I, if I, I probably mispronounced it, but it's a thing that you would it, – it's a leather – uh, deal that barbers would sharpen their oh that thing, oh like yeah. a strop like a, a strap. leather strap yeah yeah yeah, would, yeah yeah you know and so my dad had one of those Whoa. and that was the Reimann for some reason if I'm saying that right for all you low German you know experts but that was the oh boy if go get it you know yeah. and so then it disappeared for some reason I'm not sure what happened I will not take any credit for mm-hmm. that at this point in time but it did find a way outside the the house one day and it never came back but then we uh, we'd get sent to get our own belts or something like that and so yeah we got we got spanked i mean we got clipped with the hand hand to the head what uh, was the the oldest you that had- i got spanked oh boy it was i was a teenager yeah for sure i'm probably thinking i i, I want to say probably 14 15 hmm. yeah yeah, see, I mean, I was, I mean, when I say about the wooden spoon, my grandma would often threaten me with the wooden spoon. I don't mm-hmm. remember it actually being ever used that often. I still remember yeah. hiding it just because of the threat of it. I mean, my yeah. grandma was like so gentle. I don't actually remember her doing yeah. it. My mom, like, you know, yeah, I got spankings when I was young, but it's nothing I actually remember, Luke. Like, it's not like, oh, I remember that spanking. I know I got spanked, right, when I was young, never a te- as a teenager. Um, How did you get disciplined as a teenager? Because I know you're a rambunctious. <laughs> um, I had a very authoritarian stepfather, mm. and I actually I did not step out of a line a lot. Oh, um, when in, in high school and my mom um, split up with my stepfather, mm. I kind of went off the rails there. Mm-hmm. I kind of went crazy, mm-hmm. and um, it just kind of happened. My mom didn't have a lot of control mm-hmm. over me at that point. Right? Yeah, yeah. Ron, well, I think once I hit sixteen, I, I think. It was just like I was on my own. I mean, yeah. basically that was. I mean, I, I took care of myself at, at sixteen. I mean, I was at home, but every month uh, my parents didn't spend any money. I mean, I was. I earned everything that I had. Mm-hmm. I bought all of my own stuff. You know, I mean, obviously I, I ate their food and stayed there, but I also worked on the farm. But I was my commodity as a, I, I was a good worker, so my dad couldn't get mad at me because I, I worked hard, mm-hmm. and so. Um, misbehavior was often overlooked at that point in time because I'd get in trouble at school and I wasn't doing well spiritually wasn't doing well at school all that kind of stuff we got you know all that kind of thing but regardless of all of that I I think you know misbehavior you know was viewed as being something you'd be punished for yeah Mm. you know so I would get punished for for you know fighting with my siblings I mean that was the big thing I mean if we had you know five of us growing up you know, my older brother and, you know, and younger sisters. And so what got us mostly into trouble was fighting with each other, not doing what we're told, you know. Uh, talking back was, was I mean, boy, you could you could lose your, you know, your head if you, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, you get a teenager, you're going to mm-hmm. be mouthy. You know, you're going to, you know, shoot from the hip a lot of mm-hmm. times. So, so there were a few things that, you know, you just learned Okay, I mean, this is going to get you into trouble. And that's no different than in today's world, too. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do parents want to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to discipline their kids for misbehavior. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So, I, and like, even for my, I don't remember 
ever getting disciplined. You were not. I, uh, He's not I, a troublemaker. I, yeah, you know, Cody was the one that would uh, speak first, think later. Yeah. Uh, do first, think later. So, I mean, you know, so you kind of, uh, and I did that too. I had an older brother. I was often embarrassed by Cody. Yeah. See, my brother would shoot off his mouth and I said, oh, you are so stupid. That's why, why I, you that's say what that? I was thinking about my brother. Yeah. So, oh my goodness. So, like, did you really just say that? So, I went underground with my behavior. My mm-hmm. behavior was totally underground. Mm-hmm. My parents had no idea. And whereas Cody, he just foot and mouth, take one out, <laughs> stick another one in, you know, <laughs> and away you go. And so then the younger <laughs> Luke would learn from that. The girls, on the other hand, well, they were their own commodity, yeah. and they would just tear it up the way they wanted to. So, but yeah, no, you were very, um, but you're—I would say very—you you had a soft heart though too. You know, you, I didn't you, like getting in trouble. You did not like getting. I was trouble. one of those kids that if I got a got in trouble, I'd cry. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Luke's name's on the board, I'd cry. Yeah. Uh, you did bad on a test, I'd cry. Really? Yeah. Up until up Sense until yeah, up yeah. until like. Probably middle school and yeah. then puberty kicked in. Mm-hmm. Best thing that ever happened. I stopped crying. Yeah, haven't cried. Haven't cried since. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what are some things about teenage discipline that parents should know? Like, is there wor- is there things that worth disciplining your kids? How to go through discipline? Like, is it just taking away their phones now or? Mm-hmm. Not allowing them to go out with their friends, or or what is what does teenage discipline look like today? Well, I I think even before we go into that, I think there's one thing I, I just, the thing that I, I fear most. I think Dan, you would probably mm-hmm. think about this too. Is that anytime you use the word discipline, there is a fear that comes into your as a parent that you're going to lose your kid. Mm-hmm. Like, will they will they like me? You know. Uh, I mean, I, th- I think even as youth workers, you know, sometimes we want to be friends with these students, but if we do not confront them, you know, if we do confront them, they might just reject us. And yeah. I think as a parent, we feel that we fear the fact that maybe my kid will not only reject, you know, my idea of what needs to happen here, but they reject me as a parent. Mm-hmm. And so that's a constant fear that I think mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. face. I mean, I think when we talk about when we talk about discipline. Um, we do. We do need. We need to take, take a step back and 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 talk about what does it mean to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Like what what is what's our role? What's our responsibility as 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 a parent, right? And if our our role is to raise our children to know God, yes, and to honor Him mm-hmm. and to glorify Him, because that is the best thing for them mm-hmm. and for their life to reflect that holistically. Mm-hmm. Then we do need to be corrected. I mean. That we like scripture, mm-hmm. right? So scripture is there so that we are corrected. Mm-hmm. Right? Proverbs that, three, you know, yeah. Proverbs three, yeah. eleven and twelve. Yeah. So, so if we start with that, and that has to start when the when your family is young, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not all of a sudden. It's like okay, I I, I need to start um, putting some yes. d- discipline in place here. Mm-hmm. Right, because when we say the word discipline, some people will automatically go, "Oh, whoa, 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 whoa!" I'm not spanking my kid, mm-hmm. and that, that's not where we're talking no. about. When we're talking about discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's not what I'm I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about is how do I raise um, how do I raise my youth well? Yeah. How do they understand um, what is expected of them from me mm-hmm. as as a parent? Mm-hmm. And I want to reflect God's wishes for them in the way that I raise them. Mm-hmm. And there are ramifications for our actions, right? I mean, that's 
That's mm-hmm. that's life. I mean, we live in a state of grace as a child of God, mm-hmm. but we also need to be we need to be corrected when mm-hmm. we go when we go um, astray, and right. sometimes we don't want to use the word punishment, but sometimes right to help teach us. There are repercussions for our mm-hmm. for our actions, yeah. and I think bottom line is is that healthy discipline. It issues the, the statement that I love my kids. Yeah. Mm. See the healthy discipline. There can be unhealthy discipline, mm. but I'm talking healthy discipline. Realizing that just as much as God loves everyone and rebukes those who He loves, mm-hmm. so a father, mother must also you know, discipline their children, you know? Mm-hmm. So there, there, there is that whole understanding of what that means. And, mm-hmm. and so there's healthy discipline here. Mm-hmm. And, I, I, and, and let's face it, kids don't get it. Yeah. I don't expect a, a five-year-old to get it. I don't expect a 10-year-old to get it. I don't even expect a 15-year-old to understand why I am disciplining them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as parents, we think, I've got to reason my way in there. Right. You know, impossible. Mm-hmm. It won't happen. Like you will, and, and and ultimately, discipline cannot happen after the fact. It needs to be backed up by a series of great communication and great relationships. You know, we often think as dis- discipline, oh, you cross the line, boom, you're done. Now you're going to get the angry dad. Yeah. Versus, well, wait a minute, how am I going to handle this? You know, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about this. We've already set some guidelines and perimeters in place. Mm-hmm. This happened, therefore there are these consequences. Yeah. And I know sometimes, like when Luke, when Ron and I started telling stories about when we were young and stuff, mm-hmm. I, I can totally imagine that there are parents that hear us speaking about like this, and they're automatically thinking in their heads of their own childhood experiences, mm-hmm. and they're saying, there is no way I'm going to parent like my parents yeah. did. Absolutely. And I'm like, okay, fine. That's not what we're saying here. Mm-hmm. No. We're not saying emulate your parents. I know for, for myself personally, my stepdad, um, he was the father that I knew, um, mm-hmm. didn't know my original dad. Um he did the best of his ability, but he had mental health issues. Mm-hmm. But that was the environment that I was raised in. So for my own kids, um, when I sometimes my reaction to my kids when they were young, um, my wife would have to say to me, um, like she she would actually say that you're acting like I was yeah. acting like my stepfather yep. because that's what I was raised with. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to be mm-hmm. corrected even like in in my 100%. behavior and the way yeah. that I was raising my kids. And that's so. same as me. And I think I've told you this before, Luke, is that your grandpa, my dad was a hit first mm-hmm. uh, and maybe talk, but usually not, you yeah. know. And then I, years down the road, I mean, my dad was a heavy disciplinarian. And I mean, I learned to duck and weeb and all those kind of mm-hmm. things because, I mean, it would he would just blow it. He had a horrible temper. Well, you don't raise kids with a temper. You don't discipline with no. a temper. And when you lose your ki- you lose your cool, you yell, you scream, you say things you shouldn't say, you know, but that was my dad. And then I realized years after, this is long, you know, we've had kids and married, all that kind of stuff, of course. And, and then I remember talking to him and about some of these things, you know, and because and, he's matured uh, a ton. And he says, that is exactly how, in fact, I was better than my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad was worse than what I did to mm-hmm. you, you know. And so, you know, when you say, did it to the best of their ability, you know what? I think he did. You know, yeah. he... It's not that he didn't love me, he just didn't know how to show it. Mm. You know, and yeah. as parents, we need to show how we love our kids, even during hard times and discipline times. And, you know, the old adage is, this is harder on me than it is you. I mean, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, discipline is tough love. Mm-hmm. It really is. It makes us weep. It bends our knees. It humbles us. When our kids screw up and when they make mistakes, it bends us. It breaks mm-hmm. our hearts. You know, I mean, but we still have to respond in a godly manner. You know? Yeah. So how how do parents 
correct graciously, lovingly, but still sternly. Mm-hmm. Do any of you guys have anything to say? Well, I, I think I touched on a little bit before, but you have to set up boundaries. You cannot surprise kids with with discipline. So if they okay. did something wrong like, and they're like, wait, you never told me that was wrong. That's right. Yeah. So those things okay. have to be out on in the forefront long before it happens. And I think that's what often happens in the adolescent years. You know, you got these elementary kids, you know, and they're, and they're, they got this concrete thinking that mom and dad know everything, blah, blah. There might be pushback here and there, but basically, you know, you got the iron fist, you know, you can rule this. You go to bed now, you eat this, that's who you play, you know, all that. Adolescent hits and they, they question everything. And there's, there's moments there that you realize that your son and daughter is changing. They want more independence. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't kind of walk through them with those adolescent years of change, you're going to miss some of these times. Hmm. So you have to talk in advance, you know, okay, when should you be in? What is your curfew? Uh, what can you watch? What can't you watch? Can you actually, uh, you know, gaming, you know, like let's, something that maybe parents won't do, you know, is there any issues with gaming? Like, mm-hmm. can I, can my kid have any game that he wants? Well, absolutely not. But somewhere's all in line, mom and dad. You're going to have to figure out what's a right game, what isn't a right game. And there has to be a reason for mm-hmm. it. You know? So you have to put things in place, is what I'm saying, right. before you can, and then have appropriate consequences. Mm. And this is, I mean, this is, if this is your, if you're adolescent, you're a teen, this is your first teen that is hitting these years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very difficult as a parent to experience this because, like you said, Ron, you're, where your, your children were concrete thinking and thinking that mom and dad have all the answers and all of a sudden you have this questioning going on that's a very difficult time Mm -hmm. for parents and if you're not prepared for that um it can be that that difficulty can come out in 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 poor behavior towards your youth be where you're just you're just Mm -hmm. responding um in an angry fashion when kids are questioning um your your views or your values or what you're what you're expecting them that's why it is so good in the church where we have so many brothers and sisters who have walked this path before mm-hmm. that, you know, when your community group, in your small group that you can come to and you can mm-hmm. talk to people who have have walked this path. Yeah. Right. But how did how did how did this work for you? So rather than look looking at specific, okay, well, what type of punishment mm-hmm. or whatever are we going to 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 do to, to, to put in place mm-hmm. here? Because for every family that's going to be mm-hmm. different. And we're not talking about corporal punishment here. We're right. talking about what type of limitations on, mm-hmm. on um, actions and stuff that you're going to put in place. Mm-hmm. Um, but but walking with other parents who've walked through this before, because so that you're raising the kids, you're raising your youth mm-hmm. in the best in the best fashion. So mm-hmm. they grow they grow more and um, maybe alleviate some of those bumps. Mm. So those bumps and I, in I life. think you have to have a goal in mind here that yeah. that. Relationship has to be at the very center. Yeah, you don't want alienation, hmm. you know. And and sure, I mean, are, are teenagers going to be uh, unimpressed with you, mom and dad, that you are, are disciplining them? You know, are there consequences to coming in late? Are there consequences in terms of you know driving, uh, you know, taking away the keys, taking away the phone, whatever it is that you are thinking about, you know, or uh, you know, there's there's ways, but you should always have in mind. I don't want alienation here. Hmm. I want relationship. Hmm. They let them be mad. You know, uh, but in their anger, you know, like, you know, you, you can't slam doors. You don't use, you know, bad language, uh, all those kind of things. You said you, you can be angry and we will talk about it when yeah. you're cooled down. Just like I don't want to talk to a teenager who's angry. 
a teenager doesn't want to hear me when I'm angry. So mm-hmm. mom and dad, if you have to take a step back and say, mm-hmm. we'll talk about this in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but right. we're going to talk about it. Right now I'm angry. I don't, want to, I don't want to speak to you angry. I don't want to say things I shouldn't say mm-hmm. because th- that's important. Right. And if I could just even add in here, the, the, lower, the older I got and the more you, um, Luke and Cody and Janae and Michaela, my kids grew up, I realized that my parenting had to involve me saying, I'm sorry. I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something I shouldn't have done. Will you forgive me? And when you come to your own kids and say, I'm sorry, I should not have said that. I was angry. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You know, mm-hmm. and I mean, that puts it right on the, on the teen's heart too. It says, okay, my dad's real. Um, yeah, he goofed up because we're not perfect, you know, and I think mm-hmm. that's important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and sort of going off this, um, is there an age where the parenting style changes when they get, so when they're in their teen years, from teen to young adult, because it seems like young adults, like people around my age or a bit younger, are not really growing up as much, and they are sticking around at home more, is there still a role in correctiveness in those kids, or can they do what they want? Does that make sense? So you're looking for an age? Like, like yeah. So like when a kid graduates high school. Okay. So we're talking do, graduates. Oh, they're boy. graduates. Okay. Does, it, know, does I, it change the relationship? Yeah, I think there's a whole new wave of this that we've got to address. And actually, I was thinking about this because we're going to introduce, you know, our parenting conference for, for January and on. And actually, I was thinking about dealing with, with uh, doing one on and talk with Dan and, and, and Luke as well here with this, is that how do parents parent the, the graduate? You know, because it is different. It has to be different. Mm-hmm. You can't parent that, you know, that uh, that eighteen year old who has graduated from high school, who's living at home, maybe doesn't have a good job, or is in that gap year, or whatever it is that they they call it nowadays. Mm-hmm. And but they're not in high school anymore. Mm-hmm. But they're not an adult. But they're not a high school because they're still living under your roof, yep. using so your you, car. You, yep, all, doing all the eating your need, food. They need you to survive. They really do. Mm-hmm. And that's just the world we live in. And so I think we have to change our parenting mm. around that because I think there's a lot of parents who are frustrated with that. Like, you know, I thought high school was tough, but this is even tougher <laughs> because now they're making decisions that I really don't know if I can actually speak into, mm. you know? And so there is a whole new world in there. And I think you have to understand that that, that there has to be uh, opportunities for you as parents to, to address their actions. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. If the actions are wrong, you have every right to address them. Well, and that's the thing because of because of the economic economic reality yes. that we live in now, mm-hmm. um, just for just for young adults to be able to afford to live on their own is is so difficult. Totally Whereas traditionally right. it was a graduate, go off to oh, school, yeah. get your own place. Now, young adults are moving home, but the fact is, if they're moving, this is my contention: if they are moving back into your home, and you're not. You're not punishing them because they're moving back into your home. But if they are living under your house, they may be wrestling with their faith and and where Mm -hmm. they are in Christ and the decisions that they want to make and how they live their life. But that doesn't mean that you're wrestling with your faith. No. Right? So the way that you expect um, your children or young adults to live in your home and to honor you and to honor the way that you live towards God... That doesn't need to change. Mm-hmm. You can have those same expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And 
And I think it's it's your house. It's your house. This is the house that God yeah. has given you. Yeah. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And especially if you have younger children that are yeah. still living at in the home, home too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, there's there's huge. I mean, I, I can see how parents struggle with this because you know you can have some kids in elementary and some in high school, and then the first one gets out the door or something like that, and then they're mm-hmm. back, and you know, and, and the choices they're making are they right, wrong, you know, all this kind of stuff. But we realize that many kids, as you mentioned, Dan, mm-hmm. when they graduate from high school, they're wrestling with their faith as well. That's that's that ownership thing, and so mm-hmm. I, I think as a parent, I want to keep. I just don't want to have. I succeeded. I have you know you know. Mm-hmm. Good kids. I, I want to be able to say, my kids love God. Yeah. And so we are we are giving them that every opportunity at all times. And we have that relationship when they're adults, young adults, is to continue to say, okay, what's first in your life? And I think that's what we have to work at. And it's just that, that I am a parent, and I, I still want to point my kids mm. to Jesus when they're married, single, or whatever. And just say mm. something really quickly. When we talk about teens and we talk about discipline and, and struggles we might have, we have to understand that any time there is growth in our life, that it is going to come out of a time of struggle. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is going to come out of a time of questioning. If you have a, a child, a teenager who's like 18, 19 years old and said, um, I've never had any difficulties with my youth. I've never had any struggles with my youth. You either don't know about it, they've mm. hidden it very well, or there's going to be a point very soon yeah. where um, mm-hmm. that, 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 that young adult is going to start struggling immensely mm-hmm. with who they are because that, that has to happen for, de- for development to happen. Mm-hmm. No. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you've stayed this long on the podcast and have listened all the way end, thank you. I, Ron, do you have an announcement for parenting stuff? Well, we're going to be starting something uh, in January, and it's going to be obviously with our middle school and high school uh, parents. It's going to be a a four-week parenting series that begins January 5th, Mm. Saturday. It's It's a Saturday morning breakfast. We're wow. gonna, so free breakfast, free breakfast, wow. and we want parents to come, and we're gonna. That's gonna be a kickoff for for our parenting series. Mm-hmm. We're gonna. We're, we have a number of topics that we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about uh, uh, sexuality. We're gonna talk about uh, depression and and anxiety. Uh, we're gonna talk about. Um, uh, social media, mm. uh, all of the, you know, and so there's a number of things that, uh, and we're going to do this whole idea of adolescent development and discipline and all those kind of things. So between Dan and Luke and myself, uh, as in the youth department, uh, we want to already in advance tell our parents that just put that date down. Uh, it's going to be uh, an unbelievable time for our parents to come together. As Dan mentioned here, parents need to know other parents who are parenting teenagers. That is one of the greatest gifts that we have as the body of Christ is that we can walk alongside those who are doing the same thing that we're doing. Yeah. And so with the wisdom that is around this table, and we're going to be tapping others as well, but it's something we want to do as a church is to encourage and support our parents all the way through. Right. Awesome. This has been Between Two Worlds Podcast. If you have any questions or any comments, you can email us at btw at northview.org. Catch you next week.